Welcome to From the Valley Podcast with your host, Tim Wilshere. Welcome along to From the Valley Podcast, Brisbane Business Life. I'm your host, Tim Wilshere from Confidential Tax and Business Services. Uh, today is the 17th of January, 2020. Uh, it's episode number 82 of the podcast. I've got uh, on the podcast today, uh, Paul Farmer from Mentorist Group. Have I got that right? You have, 100%. Well, one of the things that you probably do, I'm sure there's other things you do, looking at your uh, LinkedIn profile, Paul. Um, yeah, so uh, a bit about uh, how we sort of get started with this podcast, Paul. Um, like just a bit of an early background, so I guess where were you born, where you came from, what was early life like for you, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, uh, thanks Tim, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be uh, to be here and be able to, to share my story, I suppose, um, today. I, uh, I was born in central Queensland, so in a, uh, in a town called Springshaw, which is west 45 minutes west of emerald in uh, in central queensland so uh my mum and dad uh had a pharmacy in the in the area so i was born i spent three years there um so i don't remember funnily enough i don't remember much about it um but uh but by hearing stories of uh of the time that that uh, that we had there and the time that i had there um i enjoyed myself up until three uh, so, uh, so I was a, a happy, go lucky, cheeky little kid that uh, <laughs> that used to potentially get into a little bit of mischief. But you know what? It um, you know it kept mum and dad on their toes. Uh, so, so yeah. So, born in the uh, born in the country, raised in the country. Born in the country, raised in the country. Uh, and obviously, did you live on a large sort of acreage property, or was it what sort of? No, we lived in town. In town, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. mum and dad uh, working in the pharmacy. Yep. It was obviously in town. We yep. uh, we lived. Uh, Dad would be able to walk to, walk to to work. Springshaw being quite a small country town, um, but uh, so yeah. So we lived in town, uh, and then so there was Dad, Mum, my sister, and myself. Okay, excellent. Up so a good upbringing, uh, and what I guess some of the early lessons in life. Anything that sort of st- sticks out, I guess, is something you sort of learnt in your in your early years. Uh, to to me. Country people, the the way that country people interact with each other, it uh, it was people help people, and and I suppose that's where I've developed my helping others, in terms of um, looking at uh, people need help. That's that's where I spend a reasonable amount of my time. Um, so from an early age, uh, it was people helping each other and being exposed to that, seeing that. And uh, and having having quality people around you mm. is another another element of that. You know, it, obviously after the the age of three, but mm. in terms of having having true friends, true people, people that you could rely on around you, then that's something that I've also continued to to keep with me as I as I've gone through life. Excellent. So, uh, and what's some of the sports that you sort of like to play? Sort of growing up, what did, what did you like to get into when it comes to recreation? Activities and that type of thing. So growing growing up, we uh, we had very little to do in country town, uh, so we would essentially try and do everything. And from an early age, I would pick up a stick and hit a, a golf ball or a tennis ball or a cricket ball around the around the uh, around the yard. And uh, I can remember having a uh, a paint stirring stick, which that became my stick. And I was I would I would hit a, a golf ball, a tennis ball, everything, around the uh, around the yard, based on the fact that there was not much to do in uh, in in a in a small country town. So to stay out of trouble, to I gravitated to sport. Um, so I played tennis, I played golf, I played rugby league, uh, cricket, you Lots name of it, sports, swimming, yeah. you name it. I got uh, that. That was the the outlet that I chose, and I developed a, an ability to be able to to be quite good at at uh, at most sports that I uh, that I took on. My uh, my sister. So of all the sports that you played, what do you think you ended up being? I guess the what was the the thing that not so much what you enjoyed the most, but what were you the best at? In, uh, in your opinion, I it, it varies over time. So yep. growing up, cricket was my sport. Yep, I loved I loved playing cricket. I spent a lot of time 
developing the skills um, and I at one point managed to uh, to actually field for the for the England cricket team uh, for the England cricket team while uh, while they were over here in uh, in Australia on tour yeah um, so I spent a lot of my up until university yeah playing cricket uh, and, yep. cr- and cricket was my focus yeah um, when I went to boarding school then yep. I, I found rugby union mm-hmm. and rugby union then became something that was also quite strong in terms of the way that uh, the way that I had my outlets in terms of winter and and also summer and then uh, and then once I left university then rugby union became a, a sport that I spent more time playing I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it and uh, and then I've kept that going having played but then also now coaching as well so coaching rugby union at the moment. Yes, excellent, yeah, love at, it. Out at the University of Queensland. So. so you'd be pretty. You would have obviously followed the World Cup of rugby pretty closely in Japan. I did uh, to a point. Yeah, um, it was. There was some quality rugby. There was some uh, some stellar stories. Yeah. Uh, that came out of it. The, the oh, Japanese, Japan, the yeah. Japanese team, the way that the Japanese people embraced rugby the World Cup. Yeah, was. Amazing, uh, you know, based on how they did that. I mean, you just look forward to what the Olympics are going to be like in a way this yeah. year, which is going to yeah. be really good. Yeah, their their ability to embrace sport into their culture mm. and take that and treat it as it should be, then it, it was amazing to see. So you know, the coverage that uh, that we had was excellent. No, that's really really good. So uh, I guess the so that's that's obviously quite a bit about the sports side of things and what you enjoy doing there what about uh, going back in time now so um, teenager that type of thing what 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 was actually your first job that you ever got so as a uh, as someone growing up in a country town yep uh, my first official title was shop assistant yardman okay the lofty heights of shop assistant yardman um, because mum and dad owned the pharmacy, yep. um, and you'll probably hear me refer back to mum and dad owning a pharmacy throughout uh, throughout this this podcast because it it ties into why why I do what I do. Um, but my uh, my job was when the orders came in, I'd uh, I'd unpack the orders, cross check them with the uh, with the purchase notes, and also then make sure that anything, any rubbish or anything that had to be um, taken to the bin, et cetera, et cetera, I'd look after that. I then added in, from a finance point of view, I added in um, doing the, the daily reconciliations for, uh, for the till and also the banking that we did as well. So that, I suppose, was my first uh, entry into a, a finance slash accounting type environment where I had to make sure things were right I had to balance items um, before before I was actually uh, you know doing that professionally yeah no, that's that's really good so that's a bit about uh, I guess how you got to start in your um, in your business in your working life uh, and that's that's quite uh, that's quite it's, every story is different so that's a little bit uh, Different. Sometimes we get pay- people start their first job with a paper run or working at Macca's, but and working I, in the family business, um, you know, doing doing that type of uh, grunt work in, in a way and, and developing your skills, uh, which would obviously lead you into you know in your early sort of career was you were into accounting, weren't you? Yeah. So it's interesting listening to a number of your podcasts previously. The the number of people that started on a paper run. <laughs> I know my dad started on a paper run. Yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting to that. We didn't have a paper run. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was uh, it was done by by uh, by someone who would uh, who would actually drive around and do it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you know, getting into into accounting. Yeah. So what? So I guess we, you had those. I mean, one of the my strengths, sort of going up from my high school years and also, you know, early in, into into university was um, you look at your different career paths and. Uh, you know, I was always good at numbers. I was always good at maths. Maths was my strong suit. Mm-hmm. Was you were pretty strong at maths at school as well, or uh, accounting? Yeah, more specifically, yeah. maths. I was I was solid. Yep. I wasn't a maths a uh, environment. Yep. In terms of the physics, chemistry, I was I was more of the the, the business side of uh, yep. of of maths. Uh, so yep. for me, that was uh, that was 
that was what grade 11 and grade 12 yep. account, accounting for me was where accounting and economics was mm. where I uh, I found I really enjoyed yeah that element of uh, of getting it right but also you know what goes in behind the numbers yeah it's it's quite interesting I mean you get you, when you go first go to university I mean I didn't know anything much about economics until my first year at uni it's it, yeah. it's just amazing they don't teach much about that it's at, at a school level and well, they didn't back in my day, but yeah, and I suppose the when I when I finished high school, my first choice, I wanted to be a PE teacher, mm. based on my love of sport. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's crossed my mind too. I mean, being a PE teacher is something you know you like, you, you just like to get out there, and, and and I like to be sort of as a kid, I like to be active. Yeah, so for me, I wanted to be a PE teacher, um, mm. but I, I wanted to be a PE teacher that went straight to the College of Physical Education. And to do that, you had to get top marks because it was quite, okay. quite sought after. So so then I could have gone to do teaching and then specialised after year, one year of normal, of normal teaching. But I can't paint. I can't play an instrument. <laughs> All of these things. And I thought, well, I'd, I'd, rather, uh, I'd rather consider something else that I had done and accounting was uh, was next, so I uh, so I got into uh, a bachelor of commerce up in Toowoomba at the USQ, uh, majoring in tax. Mm. That Excellent. was that was where that was where I, I started my my finance background. Yep, that's that's pretty. It's yeah. My on my path was a little bit different, but you know we probably started in the in the same sort of realm as an undergraduate at uh, university, doing commerce, doing accounting, mm. um, you know economics, etc. Uh, and at that sort of stage, it was like um, the most obvious job to me at the time was, um, you know, being an accountant. That was, mm. you know, that was highly sought after, even more so, you know, in the years down the track um, uh, when things sort of changed legislation-wise and needed to be more people involved and that sort of thing. You sort of started around about the mid-90s or the when did you start? I did, accounting? yeah. So I, uh, I, I got my first... Uh, my first job in 1995. So I finished school in 91. Yep. Uh, and then did uh, did three years of uni. Yep. And saw a, a job advertised on a notice board out at uh, out at the uni, mm-hmm. and applied for the job. And it was it was to be an accountant. Um, so I started in Toowoomba, working for a a business a, a small business in uh, in Toowoomba. And I remember my first my first client was a painter. He walked in. I was there. I think <laughs> I was painter, the, the yeah. second. We the, get him. The second day I was there, I walked. Uh, I walked in, sat down, and about five minutes later, in work walked my first client that I was going to work on, and he handed me a box full of shoebox receipts, and invoices, and check stubs, and handed it to me. Here you go. And went. Here's my information. I'll be I'll be back tomorrow to uh, to talk through what it is. And it was a year's worth of work, and he had four four, four or five checkbooks. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, being the person that thought that they had to get it done, uh, I sat there and just went through absolutely everything. Mm. Uh, so, that was my introduction to accounting from. Let's call it accounting in the real world. That is accounting in the real world. Yeah, my first job I got in the nineties, somewhere like that, um, whilst I was still at uni, and yeah, it was those days. You had the check butts were the norm. You know, you had uh, yeah, uh, you know, shoe boxes were pretty normal. Yes, that's right. So, um, and a lot of a lot of my people sp- didn't use computers as much in in business. No, no, they didn't. A lot of it was manual mm. um, and runoff bank statements. Yep. So. A lot of that first introduction to accounting for me in a work environment mm. was with small to medium-sized businesses. Mm. So dealing with the business owner, mm. helping them look at their procedures and go, well, have you considered this, 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 mm. and this? So, so was that Bentley's one of your first jobs there? Uh, so in Toowoomba, I worked for a, a small a small business. Yep. I then, um, in 1996, um, came down to Brisbane mm-hmm. and started at Bentley's. Yep. that was my first. Uh, that was my first job in Brisbane, mm-hmm. uh, and worked uh, worked for Bentley's as an accountant. Yeah, yeah. And so you were there for about four or five years. Yeah. So I I learnt uh, so much being in a uh, in an organisation that was a second tier organisation. 
Mm. Um, you know, the, the amount that I learnt going from a small business, yep. dealing with small business owners mm. to dealing with bigger businesses, uh, businesses that had bigger teams, mm. and also uh, being surrounded by um, other senior accountants, senior managers, mm. senior partners, yep. and getting exposure to the way that they operated, the way mm. they ran their business, which was the firm, mm -hmm. um, and getting getting an understanding of how how important having that leadership element in uh, in the in, in the way that they operated, um, you know, it was in, invaluable. So, especially coming from a smaller a smaller place like Toowoomba to to Brisbane, it was again the experience that I got learning from the people around me mm. was outstanding. Mm. So, in those sort of in those early years of um, being an accountant. Um, and then obviously, I guess, did you see a long-term career in accounting when you were sort of working at Bentleys back in those days? Do you, you see it as, you know, I'm going to sort of go through and I'm going to move up and do what I, you know, turn this into my own thing? Yeah, so I saw accounting as being a base which would give me the ability to do a lot of things if I wanted to. Yep, um, and it does, yeah. Yeah, it gives you a basis from a financial point of view, an understanding of most things that pe that generally come back to money mm -hmm. and the way that you manage the flow of money mm. is critical in terms of whether it's your business your own personal um, you know so for me having that grounding was huge yeah so to be able to develop that um, I saw myself staying within the accounting uh, industry going forward because partly because that's what I've been exposed to and I enjoyed the environment that I was in. I was learning, um, I was dealing with clients, I was dealing with leaders within the business, teams, dynamics. It was, yeah, it, it was a, a great place to learn. And also, I saw that that potentially is something that I wanted to continue doing. Yeah, definitely. I guess what was the culture like in those types of organisations like Bentley's back in, back in the, you know, the late 90s? I mean, was it... Uh, you always, when you sort of woke up, you felt like, you, you know, you sort of took the the day full full head on and it was oh, enjoyable. We had fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had fun. We worked hard. Yep. Um, sort we, of worked we, hard, played hard. We did. We did. We worked hard, um, but we had good people around us. Mm -hmm. And I look back now, and I think some of the 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 memories that I've got of working in that environment were such good times because we did. We worked. We worked hard. We worked with good clients, good people, um, and you go into the office and and it was a fun environment to be in. Yes, we worked hard, but that was that was what was mm. what was expected of us. But also, mm. that's what we wanted to do because we wanted to raise the standard. Mm. And so everyone in that environment would feed off each other. <clears throat> yep. So um, and then I guess uh, you know obviously I've been in the accounting industry for a while. What what was sort of next? Obviously you sort of uh, moved. I guess into other ventures that you know, obviously between then and now. So let's mm. go some through some of those uh, career moves that you sort of uh, did yep. uh, go to get you where you, I guess, where you are right now. So, uh, what was sort of what were some important things that sort of led after working working with Bentleys and so so for me, it the next step for me was I enjoy the analytical part yeah doing the compliance piece yep. for me was was a, a, an opportunity to get to a point yes then you do the, the planning and the forecasting yes based on that mm -hmm. that was that was the piece that I loved yes that was the piece that was forward looking that was the element of right how do we create a better environment from where we are now mm -hmm. how do we help grow mm -hmm. how do we help people build their personal wealth get the maximum out of what they're trying to do so for me an accounting consulting environment was going to offer that mm -hmm. for me yep. so my next step was to move into that environment with another with another firm which um, which again I was in the uh, in the finance side of things but before we would sit with the client we'd sit with a financial planner 
mm. and we do the planning and strategy piece. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was that was gold. That was the thing that I, I loved mm. because it gave me the opportunity to sit and have the conversations about what if, what if, mm. what if. Yep. How do we go about maximising this? If we did this, what would happen? If we did this, what would happen? And looking forward and going, well, you know, in 10 years' time, if we have this strategy, will this actually add to their to their net wealth and what value will that add to the customer mm. um, and so that piece there that is something that was wrapped up in the in that that new new role I was there for a number of years got massive exposure to that then my sister had been overseas and she came back and she said I've been overseas if you get an opportunity to go for a, a holiday you should go so I applied for a visa and got a visa and thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, jump on a uh, jump on a plane and head over for a, a two-year holiday because that's what people do. Mm. My sister had done it. A number of other people had uh, had done it. Look, why not? I'll mm. go and um, I'll go and experience what the UK has to uh, has to offer. Yeah, and tell me, what, and how did you find that experience, and uh, what, what did you sort of learn when you were working over in the UK then? Oh, I loved it. Mm. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I I'd left a secure environment mm-hmm. and said two years away I go. Two years turned into eight. Eight years was it? Yeah, I was uh, I was in eight. I was in uh, in the UK, so I left in two thousand and two. 2002 and got back in the end of 2010 okay wow uh, so my my two-year working holiday became an eight an eight year so how did you be able to extend that did you get married with somebody over there or what, what did you have a visa no 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 I uh, I applied to get sponsored yep I worked for an organization and, uh, and okay so sponsorship yep yeah so the um, the day that I started with them I was starting as a as an accountant mm-hmm. the day I was walking in was the day that the CFO was walking out, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I turned up and he was walking out of the uh, the front office, and I went, uh, "Where are you, where are you going?" He said, "Oh, I'm I'm leaving. Mm. Um, go in." It's like, "Well, this guy's hired me. What do I what do I do here?" So he was the one who hired you and left. Yeah. Wow. So uh, so I walked in, and the uh, the chairman of the board said, uh, "You're here for the accounting role." I said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "He said, well, we want you to be CFO. Uh, don't sit at that desk. Sit at that one. Um, and yeah, let's have a conversation about what that means and what you need to do going forward." Yep. So welcome, welcome to the UK. <laughs> I jumped in a really deep end stuff there. That's right, and it was it was it was straight in. This is this is what we want you to do. So that that gave me a a grounding of keep looking up. Mm. Look at. Uh, did you have to teach yourself a, a way to deal with that, or did you sort of? I mean, that wasn't obviously what you. You probably different to what you'd signed up for. Yeah, um, and it, and it was, and but it was just a matter of saying, well, I need to have conversations with the people who, who are who are setting the expectation of what mm. I'm supposed to be doing, mm. and and so I had a conversation with the chairman of the board, mm. the board members, mm. and uh, just spoke with them and said, right, mm. this is all new. Mm. How do we go about getting? What are your expectations mm. of of me? What information do you need? Mm. How often do you need it? Let's get a plan in place, mm. and we did. Yeah, so I mean, that's a you obviously got a, f- a fairly sort of sensible approach to to that. Uh, I guess it was a you know it was a um, thing that you had to endure uh, to be able to you know go from being in public practice, yep. uh, being an accounting consultant, to being a CFO of a business. Yep. Um, I guess if there was one or two bits of advice you would give to, because we see people that uh, that may make those those uh, career changes, uh, what sort of advice would you give them? Back yourself. Value you and your skills. Uh, there, that for me is. Had I've not done that in that situation, there is, I wouldn't have been able to step into that role. Mm. Uh, but backing backing me, my skills and my ability to. To say, well, no, I'm going to make I'm the, I'm going to make the most of this situation. They want me to step up. If they didn't think I could do it, they wouldn't ask me. Mm. So, taking advantage of that and stepping in and going, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to step into this role. So for me, backing myself, mm. backing my skills, um, would be that would be probably one of the biggest things. Um, but also looking at 
where you do create change, you know, what what is what, where does your focus need to be? My focus mm-hmm. needs to be on what I need to do to make this successful. Yep. Yeah, no worries. That's fine. Um, yeah, so that's that's some good advice. I mean, you, you, you hear about that, uh, you know, being a CFO and being, you know, obviously a public practice accountant, you know, two completely different roles and sometimes a different set of skills is is needed. What would you say to someone who says says that? Yeah, different. You're one. You're in a business dealing with multiple clients. Mm. The other one, you're in a business who is your client. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they are different, yep. but at the same time, a lot of the skills would trans- a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the skills transfer, yeah. and a lot of the uh, the skills relate to how do you deal with the people around you. Yeah, you know, are you supposed to be the expert in everything? No. Mm. Generally, you are. You have people around you who mm. who have their own special skills. Mm. So it's being able to tap into those to help you mm. be more effective in the way that you do your role. Mm. So then you came back uh, to Brisbane. Is it Brisbane in 2010? Yep. Okay. So, and since you've sort of been back in Brisbane, which is, I guess, 10 years, we've got a whole decade that we sort of, that uh, we just had. Uh, what did you sort of, uh, what what sort of things did you focus on when you came back as far as your business life? Yep. So when I, when I first came back, I had spent six years in the oil and gas industry in the UK mm-hmm. and worked for two three two organizations um, who got taken over uh, both of them and came back with a, a, a another organization back to Australia so the first five years I worked in strategy leadership forecasting mm-hmm. um, with uh, a, an oil and gas company here in here in Brisbane so in terms of there it was we were we were the planning department we were the ones that were dealing with a lot of the financial modeling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so dealing with that and having having to be able to deal with all the other different departments to get the most out of what we were trying to do and get the results that were expected of, of us mm. to, uh, to deliver. Mm. So so the first five years was, uh, was in that environment. We got taken over again. So three takeovers in the... In, in my career and at that point it was I decided that uh, that I wanted to look at some something else uh, and that's when I spent three months the last three months of my notice period pretty much talking to everyone in the office uh, about what they were doing how they were doing it and some of the frustrations that they had and helping them see that possibly there are ways that they could they could get the results that they wanted um, but if they just thought outside the square, um, so that there then started to drive me in terms of this is something that I love to do. Mm. A helping people, but also helping them see what's possible, as opposed to the challenges that were in front of them. So okay, you've got this challenge. Have you considered this? What about mm. this? What about this? Mm. Um, and then at the end of that three months, I, uh, I thought, you know what? This is something that I, I'd love to do mm-hmm. longer term. Yep. So, so I started. Uh, I started my business, and uh, and from there I've been running running my business uh, up until up until today. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I, I guess uh, some of the things uh, that I've sort of looked up on your LinkedIn uh, profile about uh, one of the things that you is are you a children's book author? Is that so? Yes, one of the the random facts that uh, about about me is the uh, the fact that I I wrote uh, a children's book mm-hmm. and so what was the children's book called it was uh, granddad Charlie and his thongs which I which like, is, I like that which is about um, I'll, um I've, I've got a copy I left it at home that's but, okay but I've got a copy for you for you um, as a thank you for, for having me on the show I um it's about my granddad yep and I wrote I wrote it in a journey from Belimba to the city on a city cat at 6.30 one morning. And because I sat down to, to, to make a list of all the people that I was grateful for. And he, Obviously he's one, yeah. And he was, he was one, and I thought, I'll just start making some notes. And I wrote 98% of that story. Mm, just it, there. It, it, just there. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, so... So what, pictures involved with the children's... Uh, yeah, so there's uh, so so it's it's been illustrated, yep. it's been published, yep. uh, and um, yeah, so 
it was uh, illustrated by a, uh, a connection of mine, Saul at Roundhouse. Roundhouse. Um, he and his wife, they did the illustrations for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I wanted it to be done while my grandma was still um, around. She's still around. She's 92 and is uh, is going strong. But for me, that's something that I wanted to uh, – I wanted to get that story – published mainly because uh it would give her something to uh to to have as an appreciation of us as a family of of you know how great just what a, she and granddad were beautiful sort of meaning behind that that's yeah. that's really that's uh, really you know thoughtful and and uh you know just just decent and it's interesting that that you see when kids read young, younger children read read it their mm. th- their eyes just light up okay um so the people that that have Mm. have sent me um notes saying read the read the book to the to the Mm. kids last night and they and they uh, and they love the bit about him he's uh he's stroking his whiskers and it was just Mm. you get that and you go oh that's yeah so just the one book or yes okay how long ago was that published uh that was published two years ago it's a pretty recent yeah pretty recent uh everyone at my uh at my wedding Got a copy of uh, of the book mm. as a as a wedding present. Okay, excellent. That's, so that's so that was my timeline. Get it, <laughs> get it, uh, get it written, published, everything done uh, before our wedding, so yeah. I could give that to, to everyone at our wedding as a present. That's that's yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so you you sort of mentioned some of the ways you help as well. Uh, what do you think you, 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 you sort of write some articles up from time to time on LinkedIn I think it's something I saw noticed yep um, how, how do you sort of find coming up with articles and do you enjoy it and that sort of thing yeah again I because I'm thinking about the people that potentially are going to read the articles yeah um, there's obviously something that's going on in their circles that uh, that resonates with them so when I when I see a challenge or when I see a, a topic or I see something that uh, that comes up that I think you know what there probably are other people out there that potentially are experiencing this here is some information that may be able to help them get through get around get under get over this uh, this challenge um, and so I yeah I enjoy it. it it gives me an opportunity to be able to think outside the square but also think about an opportunity to help other people who may not necessarily currently see what is possible mm. so it gives them some ideas mm. which you know you, you listen to podcasts you listen to um, stories you read articles on LinkedIn what is it about it's a, it's about looking at ways of getting getting passed through over um, on uh, on some of the some of the skills that you may not necessarily have. Yeah, no, it's it's good that I mean I like anyone who sort of contributes, writes articles. I try to write some sort of articles accounting wise from time to time. A lot of the time, uh, but it, it's it, I think it's good to have it out there. It certainly helps other people and help. It's part of the mantra that you, you know you do so well by looking after um, you know helping your clients. I guess tell me any any sort of other, what sort of ways uh, you've explained a little bit, but what sort of other ways and some examples of how you sort of been helping clients in in more recent times. So recently, um, the work that I've been doing with clients has has been around getting them to get clear on the strategy for their business. So let's say for the next twelve months, um, sitting down and and getting clear on. I suppose that three three questions that, that I ask. One is, what is this thing that you're creating? Now, whether it's a business or whether it's a career, it could be either. What is, what is this thing that you are creating? What is your exit strategy? And ultimately, why does it matter? Why does it matter to you? Because when we get wrapped up in the whirlwind of, of business and life and everything, the craziness of everything going on and having, having everything come at us and whether it's social media or whether it's what's happening in the general media or whatever it is, we get busy. 
and there is so much information coming at us now we have most of us have a, have a smartphone most of us have social media most of us potentially watch the news there is so much information coming at us consistently mm. so it's how do we get through that noise and how do we create an opportunity to, be, to get clear on what it is that we're trying to achieve mm. what is this thing what do we spend our time effort and money on building mm. and why does it matter mm. because when you're really tight with why things matter it makes it easier to be able to keep going it yep. makes it easier to be able to be clear about it and go, well, these are the things, the steps that I can put in place to create that because that's what I want to create. Mm. Um, so recently having um, businesses get clear on that, then before Christmas, I caught up with a couple of business owners and, and we did just that. We got clear about what it is they wanted for 2020 mm -hmm. and they, uh, they came back after the Christmas break and they just said well we didn't have to worry about it over Christmas because we'd already set it in place mm. now we just need to get after it yep. and uh, and create because we've already set up that uh, what we're going to do for the 2020 year yeah yeah now the other thing I guess one of the other things is that you're obviously a very good networker you you do get uh, you know we both know that how small a place that Brisbane is you know, we, you just mentioned yep. uh, uh, at the top of the ship uh, before we went on the air that it's not the first time you've been to this office. Yep. And I wasn't, I couldn't, rem you know, I wasn't aware that you'd probably been here before, but now I do remember yep. seeing your face in here uh, at a time when uh, our, both our good friend uh, Belinda Shaw was uh, was was using the boardroom, and you guys were having a session in there, probably a strategy session or something yep. like that. Um, so it just shows you Brisbane, a very small place. We probably know so many different people um, that know, you know that know one another and and, and so forth. Uh, and you're a good networker. But one of the ones that, that that you've been involved in as far as networking is BNI, isn't it? Yes. So tell me what what your sort of uh, how you sort of got into BNI, how valuable it is for you, that sort of thing. Yep. So BNI four years ago. Um, I'd started my business so uh, the start of, of, uh, of 2016 and I met up with uh, Lucas Metacroft uh, from Crofty and Richard Comer from The Vehicle Broker. Yeah, Richard has been on the podcast. Yes, yep. I, uh, I met up with both of, uh, both of those, those guys, had a conversation with them in a, in a different environment and they uh, suggested that, uh, that I should go and check out BNI as a way to look at growing my business. Um, so, and up until that point, my perception of networking, having come from a, uh, a corporate environment, was beers on a Friday. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. Which is uh, which is the, the, the way that the environment that, uh, that, that I'd come from, that was now being an environment where um, that necessarily wasn't the, the, the culture. Then, so I... I um, I went along to a BNI chapter and walked in and felt welcome. Yep. Felt surrounded by other business owners. I was surrounded by business owners that wanted to know what I was doing, um, and also looking at ways to to help me. So, being in that environment, it was I thought, you know what, this is this is an environment that I'm uh, that I feel like I should be in. Yep. Uh, so uh, so I. So I uh, so I joined um, after a couple of uh, going to a couple of chapters. I, w I joined and uh, and I've I've been in there since uh, since the start of 2016. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's it's added confidence mm -hmm. from a speaking in front of people mm -hmm. uh, when you have to do it consistently and regularly. Mm -hmm. Then for me, skills there developed always. Uh, yeah, um, you know, priceless really. That's right. And sometimes you don't get that environment. To be able to do that, when you're when you're forced to do it regularly, you've developed a skill, and uh, so that's one thing. Business growth, being surrounded by other other business owners who are actively helping you uh, look and build your business, but also learning from the other business owners. I've learnt so much from the business owners that I've uh, that I've spoken to, and. Just the way that you that you can add that 
to your business, to the way you operate, um, learning about the way that they've done things well, things that may not have worked, and then taking that forward. So for me, it's it's been an opportunity to meet as a as a small business owner. It's been an opportunity to be able to meet uh, a number of uh, a number of quality business owners to mm. uh, to then develop my own my own skills. Mm. Yeah, and then use that to then pass that on to the clients that I'm working with as well. That's excellent. That's that's certainly a good explanation of how how you sort of you know interact with the BNI, how it sort of helped you, how, how it's helped your business and also uh, your clients as well, which is which is really really good. Uh, another thing to probably bring up in in discussion is uh, uh, you're a chairperson or chairman of Get Real Conscious Impact, uh, which is a registered not for profit. Uh, tell us a bit about that and how you how that sort of all started. I was uh, so um, Get Real Conscious Impact was about helping people. Um, well, that's still around, or not? It was uh, it was a yep. um, a not for profit. Yep. Started around helping people with mental health and exercise. Yep. So it was uh, it was an opportunity to be able to look at providing exercise programs for people mm-hmm. uh, to be able to help them be active uh, and also be within a, a, a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was asked to be on the on the board of that mm-hmm. um, which was uh, which was an experience that was it was an experience my first experience in, in the not-for-profit area um, and experiences experiencing the, the challenges but also the the amazing work that uh, that goes in behind uh, a, a not-for-profit. So, um, so in terms of being in that environment, it was uh, it was a uh, you know a, a way to see how people are helping others. And so, for me, that was that was an opportunity to to tie into my love of helping people. Mm, um, so exercise, mental health education. That's right. Uh, one of the visions there. Yeah, that's right. Vision. Yeah. So, so it's that's so certainly a great um, great initiative. Yeah. So that was um, that was for about eight months, um, and the people involved in that were outstanding. Yep. Just the, the uh, doing the the work to help other people um, be successful and also uh, from a from a, an exercise point of view was uh, was great. I'm also, which I may or may not have uh, have put in, I'm also on a uh, on a board for another not-for-profit, mm-hmm. which is called the Mini Farm Project, which uh, which which is um, designed uh, a, is. around um, growing fruit and veg to provide sustenance to those in need so within the Brisbane area we uh, we we have urban farming plots which we uh, which we grow fruit and veg and then that is then harvested and uh, it goes to community centers um, and adds sustenance to the meals the daily meals that they're that they're currently getting again it's another not-for-profit uh, and Nick Steiner the the CEO he's one of the most passionate people I've uh, I've ever seen. Just the way that he goes about when when you when you talk about being tied to your why, there is no better example than Nick. So um, this year we've got some some interesting projects coming up, uh, a couple of projects in Caboolture, and also one in in uh, in Camp Hill, which is our our current uh, our current project. So this this is another way that I I love to help give give back, and also use my uh, my exposure to try and uh, try and help bring people together to help uh, to help grow the the charity. That's really really good. It's you, there's a lot of things that you do, uh, <coughs> Paul, and uh, it's it's fantastic to to have someone like you on the podcast who's who's got a lot of different experiences, a lot of different. Uh, messages there which the, the undertone of a lot of those messages is um, you know doing the right thing being good uh, helping and and that type of thing whatever it is that you're doing that it seems to be the theme that I'm seeing across the board there yep. uh, which is it's, which is um, 
uh, great. You've you certainly uh, benefited a lot of uh, different uh, businesses and and obviously lots of other people uh, as well uh, along the way and helping those less fortunate. So that's that's um, yeah, that's really really good that you're uh, you can do that. Um, yeah. So uh, what else have we got there? So uh, I guess. Um, 2020, um, it's it's just been underway a new decade. We've um, obviously a lot of Australians have, have been impacted by the bushfires. So, you know, it's it's been a big thing. Um, I think uh, you know going forward, what, have you set yourself any sort of uh, large goal, any sort of big goals, or you got anything, any you know places of travel that you're looking forward to this year, or any events? Uh, so so this year. Um Funnily enough, Hobart. Yeah. Um, Have you been there before? No. Never. And I and okay. I, I don't say funnily enough. In a, it, it's, it's somewhere that, it's amazing how many people I've spoken to, mm. who, haven't been to Hobart. And so my my wife, uh, through her work, she goes to Hobart. Uh, so, in terms of that, is somewhere that she's been she raves about it so that for us is is somewhere that we've got on our radar to go uh to travel there um you won't be disappointed i mean i was born in hobart it's it's a beautiful place yeah uh did my university in hobart as well and um yeah no it's just just a beautiful place you've got mount wellington you've got probably in my opinion the best uh, markets in Australia in Salamanca Place. Yeah. Uh, so you obviously do go there on a Saturday. Uh, just just great. You won't be disappointed to be honest, and go up the east coast as well. Yeah. And then the other the other destination is Myanmar, which is the the old Burma, where um, my my wife's brother and sister in law are uh, are over there. So that's another place that we've got on our radar mm-hmm. to uh, to visit. Yep. While while they're over there, mm-hmm. go and uh, go and spend some time catching up with them. Yep. So uh, so from a travel perspective, that's uh, there are a couple of things that we've got on the radar. Um, coaching rugby again at UQ, um, and then work wise, you know it's it's building that exposure to keep being able to add value to more small to medium sized businesses that don't currently have that internal resource that they can have that conversation about how they're going, the accountability, what they would like to do. Um, so keep building, building, building. Yeah, excellent. That's, uh, it's going to be a great year, 2020, I think. Um, I, I, I think the, the message I want to sort of reinforce across, across the podcast a lot this year is um, I just want the community to, to work and build it better. Uh, build the so building better communities is sort of the message I want to um, bring through for the year. I want everyone to sort of be nice to one another, and I want everyone to sort of be um, yeah look out for any red flags, help people out, uh, and uh, and for sure that uh, I think you know if that can happen, I think we can live in a, a happier environment. We're always going to live in a challenging environment um, here in Australia. It's it's it still is you know. It's still the place to be, as far as uh, you know. There aren't too many better places on earth uh, than living in Australia, despite you know what what, what uh, you know some of our, our people have endured with the bushfires and and other natural disasters. I still think this is um, uh, you know you've got to basically help one another and just keep uh, keep the community rolling on. Yeah. Well, our, um, our twenty twenty phrase is stronger together. Stronger together is is a great one. The word stronger always has uh, a way of sort of you know strengthening numbers in in a lot yeah. of the case. So you're strong as a community, um, and something does happen. The Australian spirit obviously uh, generally comes along. We see the ridiculous amount of donations that we've received in relation to to natural disasters, in particular the bushfires. Uh, there's no shortage of people putting hands in their pockets to help, uh, and that shows that uh, we're a con- if, if we're a country that can do that, you know we're wealthy in in more than one way. We 
wealthy in such a way that we care, you know, there is enough care for one another, even though that, you know, in life we, we see some undertones happening where there is that aspect of, you know, the evolvement of social media over, you know, the last decade where it's got to a point where that's affected the way people will act and, you know, and or, or portrayed as well. So, but at the end of the day, we just got to, we just sort of, it's got to be in your heart as to, as to uh, moving forward and, and making making this world the you know the greatest place that it can be. Um, I don't know if there's too much more I want to say. If that, unless you've got any other messages, Paul, um, that you sort of want to, uh, I guess, deliver to our listeners. But it's been great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I. The one message I would uh, I would raise is put your hand up. Um, you know, being in being in business is a challenging environment um, but you don't have to do it your, on your own and there are people around you there are people that you, that you can have conversations with about building your business about being a better leader there are people that uh, that, that want to help so the corner office can be a lonely office but look for opportunities to be able to surround yourself with quality people to be able to help you have that think outside the square uh, and back yourself. You know, generally, we've got the skills that we need inside us already. We just need to see that we've got them. And so back yourself, surround yourself with quality people um, and get after it. Mm. No, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. That's been episode 82 of From the Valley Podcast, Brisbane Business Life. This has been Paul Farmer from Mentorus Group, amongst many other uh, hats that uh, we've been talking about in this podcast. Thank you very much for being on the on the podcast today, Paul. Hope you have a great rest of the day and uh, a great weekend, and 2020 will be another great year for you, I'm hoping. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. This will be uploaded, uh, uh, hopefully, either later today or tomorrow, depending on timing, I guess. Thank you very much.